Amen. Well, God bless you all. We are going through the book of Judges, and we are actually in Judges chapter 10. So as you're opening your Bibles to Judges chapter 10, know this, that he's going to be talking to us on being leaders of God. And as we go through this, I just want to sort of bring us back into perspective as to what was going on here in this time as we go through uh, this book. As a reminder, last couple of weeks we were talking about pride, we were talking about rebellion, and we saw this in the life of Abimelech. And now the Lord reminds us as, as we're coming back into these judges how the nation of Israel, they kept repeating that same cycle. The cycle that they, always, that they kept repeating during the time of the judges was disobedience, it was discipline, and then it was deliverance. And when we look at the world that we live in, we definitely see a world of disobedience. We see the disciplines of God, and we also see His deliverances, right? When you see people that are crying out to the Lord, it's no different today than it was back then, but in looking at this great nation that we live in, Understand this, we live in an amazing nation that was birthed from God. A nation that was birthed on the love of God. And as we look at our nation today, we see really a nation that is walking away from its first love. See, this nation, if we look at the history of this nation, when, we, when I give you the years of its existence, it's gonna just, it just blows our mind because it's only 238 years old. I mean, when we think about this, this is a very young nation, isn't it? It's not a very old nation. It's a very young nation. And, I, and we find it and we see this nation as it's walking today in disobedience. And I personally believe that the disciplines of God have hit. And I do believe that they are coming with greater severity. And so what are we to do? Are we to hide in a cave? Are we to... Go out in the middle of nowhere and just, you know what, isolate ourselves? No, we're not to do this. See, this nation that was birthed from men and women because they took a stand for righteousness. They took a stand, a stand for the ways of the Lord. See, they lived also in a world where people were losing hope, right? They lived in a world where there was much tyranny, in a world that was choosing darkness. And so the founders of this great nation said, you know what? We're leaving. We're coming to a new land, a new land where we can freely serve this God that we worship. See, but it was these leaders that took a stand for righteousness. It was these leaders that said, you know what? We're going to walk in the ways of the Lord. See, they took a stand to lead others to God, and they took a stand to remain loyal and faithful to the Lord. And I want to share this with all of you. I truly believe that the Lord is calling out leaders today to lead his people. See, as he told Israel, and I want to share this with you, he told Israel this thing. He told them to be the head and not the tail. They were called to be the head, to be above and to lead. And this is what he told them in Deuteronomy 28 verse 13 where he says, 
and the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and are careful to observe them. See, the Lord says, I will make you the head. He said, I will make you above and not beneath. But they were asked to do one thing. They were asked, as it says there, to heed and to walk in his ways. See, this is key. This is important for us. You and I are called to walk in his ways. See, the Lord wants to raise up leaders today. And leaders that are called by God answer this high calling. They answer the high calling of doing what the Lord is asking them to do. See, if you want to be a leader for God, you got to lead in his ways. And this is what he's calling us today. See, today we're going to talk about leadership. And I'm going to give you some insight on being a leader for God. See, a leader that leads people appropriately and not a leader that misleads people. Because there are many people out there that are leaders that are misleading people. And this is all over. And look at what the Lord says here, what he spoke through Isaiah. He said, as for my people, children are their oppressors, and women rule over them. Oh, my people, those who lead you cause you to err and and destroy the way of your paths. See, God wants us to lead and not to mislead. See, God doesn't want us to be leaders that mislead, but he wants us to be leaders that have a passion for the Lord, a passion for his ways, and to lead people according to his ways, not our ways, but his ways. See, this is why in this church, I want to share this with you as Dan was making the announcement of the shepherd's training that we have. Not only do we have a shepherd's training for the men, but we also have leaders training for the women. See, because according to God's word, we want you to see, we want you to experience, we want you to know how it is to be leaders of God through his word, leading you according to his word. See, every single one of you, I want to share this with you, every single one of you that is sitting in these chairs today, in these pews, you have all been called to be leaders of God, every single one of you. Are we ready to take this stand? Are we ready for this high calling or are we going to leave it for someone else? See, you and I have been called to lead. If we're not going to lead, then God is going to choose somebody else to lead for him. Are we ready to lead? And I want you to know one thing. As we read through the book of Judges, you will see when there were godly leaders, how they led people to the Lord. And then when there were no leaders, how the people just fell. How they were walking in destruction. How they were killing themselves. How they were just, you know what, just destroying themselves. And so as we see this, the message that God wants to share with us is that you and I are called to be leaders of God. And with this, let's go ahead and read all of chapter 10. And then after that, we'll go ahead and expound on the verses that he gave us. Here beginning in verse 1 of Judges 10, it says, After Abimelech 
There arose to save Israel Tola, the son of Puah, the son of Doda, a man of Issachar, and he dwelt in, Sh in Shamir in the mountains of Ephraim. He judged Israel 23 years, and he died and was buried in Shamir. After him arose Jair, a Gileadite, and he judged Israel 22 years. Now he had 30 sons who rode on 30 donkeys. They also had 30 towns, which are called Havoth Jair to this day, which are in the land of Gilead. And Jair died and was buried in Cain. Then the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtoreths, the gods of Syria, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the people of Ammon, the, and the gods of the Philistines. And they forsook the Lord and did not serve him. So the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hands of the Philistines and into the hands of the people of Ammon. From that year, they harassed and oppressed the children of Israel for 18 years. All the children of Israel who were on the other side of the Jordan in the land of the Amorites in Gilead, moreover, the people of Ammon crossed over the Jordan to fight against Judah also, against Benjamin, and against the house of Ephraim, so that Israel was severe, severely distressed. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, saying, We have sinned against you, because we have both forsaken our God and served the Baals. So the Lord said to the children of Israel, Did I not deliver you from the Egyptians, and from the Amorites, and from the people of Ammon, and from the Philistines, also the Sidonians, and the Amalekites, and the Maonites oppressed you, and you cried out to me, and I delivered you from their hand. Yet you have forsaken me and served other gods. Therefore I will deliver you no more. Go and cry out to the gods which you have chosen. Let them deliver you in your time of distress. And the children of Israel said to the Lord, We have sinned. Do to us whatever seems best to you. Only deliver us this day, we pray. So they put away the foreign gods from among them and served the Lord. And his soul could no longer endure the misery of Israel. Then the people of Ammon gathered together and encamped in Gilead. And the children of Israel assembled together and encamped in Mizpah. And the people, the leaders of Gilead, said to one another, Who is the man who will begin the fight against the people of Ammon? He shall be head over the, all the inhabitants of Gilead. See, as it finishes here, you hear the people that are crying out, Who's going to lead us? We need a leader. And this is the same cry that we hear in our world today, in our families today, in our workplaces today, in the churches today. People want leaders. You and I have been chosen to lead. Are we going to answer this high calling that God has for you, for me? As we go through the verse, as we go through the chapters, I should say, let's go ahead and just expound here with the first judge that we're introduced to. After Gideon, we know that Abimelech was never a chosen judge of God. He actually raised himself up to be king. He raised himself up to be their ruler. And 
We know that God's hand was not upon him, and we know that God brought him down. But this was a chosen leader of God, and his name was Tola. And it says there in verse 1, after Abimelech, there arose to save Israel Tola the son of Puah, the son, the son of Dodah, a man of Issachar, and he dwelt in Shamir in the mountains of Ephraim. He judged Israel 23 years, and he died and was buried in Shamir. So we're introduced to this man named Tola. Funny name, but his name is Tola. And as this new judge, I want you to know one thing is he was the next judge after Gideon. And one of the things that we know about Tola is that he saved Israel from their enemies. He was the leader that was chosen by God, and he stepped up to this high calling. Because I want you to know that as leaders that are chosen by God, either we're going to step up to that high calling or we're not. It's up to you whether you're going to step up to the high calling that God has called you to do. Are you going to do it? Are we going to do it? Or are we not going to do it? Are we going to leave it for somebody else? Are we going to allow those that are around us to walk in destruction? Or are we going to stand up and be leaders? The Word of God tells us that He judged Israel for 23 years. And in these 23 years, they experienced peace. There were no enemies. See, He led the people of God. And the people followed. And the result was peace and safety. This was a result. This is the first judge. We don't really know much about Tola. We don't know much about this next judge. All we know is that they were judges that were called by God, and they judged the people for 23 years, Tola, and then we're going to read about Jair, who judged 22 years. It says there in verse 3, after him arose Jair, a Gileadite, and he judged Israel 22 years. Now he had 30 sons who rode on 30 donkeys and also had 30 towns which are called Haboth, Jair to this day, which are in the land of Gilead. And Jair died and was buried in Canaan. Not Canaan, but Canaan. And Canaan is on the east side of the Jordan. I want to talk a little bit about this because Gilead is actually on the east side of the Jordan. Remember, where Israel is today, it's the west of the Jordan River. On the east of the Jordan River is the nations of, uh, of Jordan. We know that. And this is, this is what you have today. But when the tribes of Israel, remember when they went into the promised land, Gad, Reuben, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, they said, you know what? We like the east side of the Jordan. We think it's great for our livestock. We think it's great for our animals. It looks so great. We want to we stay here. This was really out of the will of God. God had assigned them the land of Canaan. And this wasn't it. They were out of God's will. And this is where Gilead is. Gilead is on the east side of the Jordan. It's the southern part of the tribe of Manasseh. And then it takes part of Gad and part of, uh, of the tribe of Reuben, the land where they dwelled. And so this is Gilead. And so whenever you hear Gilead, remember that this is on the east side of the Jordan. And we know that he judged Israel for 22 years, and they also experienced peace and safety. Another man that was called by God, and he answered that calling. See, it's a matter of us answering the calling to be leaders. Do we want to be leaders for God? 
When we look at the world that we, dwell, uh, that we live in today, right, it's a dark world. And we know that the Lord is coming soon. Do we want to step up to be leaders of God? Leaders in our family, leaders in our workplaces, leaders in the church of God, leaders wherever we're at, leaders to our children. But that's up to us. See, God has called us to be leaders, but it's up to you whether you're going to accept the calling that he has upon you. We know that Jair accepted that calling. One of the things we know about Jair, as it says there, is that he was a judge, right? And he had 30 sons. And each of these sons had a donkey. And each of these sons governed 30 towns. And as a result of the fact that he was a man of God, leading people in the ways of God, they experienced peace and safety and prosperity. See, as we look at this, right, he says that they, they were, they were, there was no one that came against them. When you combine the 23 years and the 22 years for 45 years, 45 years, Israel experienced peace and safety, okay? For 45 years. And as we see this, right, you understand that Tola and Jair rose to the occasion, and they led the people in the Lord's ways. But after Jair died, we're going to read. We're going to read that no leader arose after that. We're going to read that no leader decided to choose to lead the people of God. And there was an absence of godly leadership, of men stepping up to the high calling that God has upon their lives. And this happened for 18 years. Let's go ahead and read beginning in verse 6 all the way through the end of the chapter. It says here, Then the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. Remember that cycle, right? The cycle of disobedience and then discipline and then deliverance will happen as we read these verses. It says here, they again did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtoreths, the gods of Syria, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the people of Ammon, and the gods of the Philistines. And they forsook the Lord and did not serve him. So the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hands of the Philistines and into the hands of the people of Ammon, the Ammonites. From that year, they harassed and oppressed the children of Israel for 18 years. And all the children of Israel who were on the other side of the Jordan in the land of the Amorites in Gilead Moreover, the people of Ammon crossed over the Jordan to fight against Judah also, against Benjamin, and against the house of Ephraim, so that Israel was severely distressed. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, saying, We have sinned against you, because we have both forsaken our God and served the Baals. So the Lord said to the children of Israel, did I not deliver you from the Egyptians and from the Amorites and from the people of Ammon and from the Philistines, also the Sidonians and the Amalekites and the Maonites oppressed you 
and you cried out to me, and I delivered you from their hand. Yet you have forsaken me and served other gods. Therefore, I will deliver you no more. Go and cry out to the gods which you have chosen. Let them deliver you in your time of distress. And the children of Israel said to the Lord, We have sinned. Do to us whatever seems best to you. Only deliver us this day, we pray. So they put away the foreign gods from among them and served the Lord. And his soul could no longer endure the misery of Israel. This is the Lord's. Then the people of Ammon gathered together and encamped in Gilead. And the children of Israel assembled together and encamped in Mizpah. And the people, the leaders of Gilead, said to one another, Who is the man who will begin the fight against the people of Ammon? He shall be head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. So as we look at this, right, we see the fact that after the death of Jair, we see that there was no judge placed over the people of Israel. And the people of Israel for 18 years, as it says here, they're, they return back to their sin, they return back to disobedience. Let me share this with you. Why isn't it, why is it that the Lord did not raise up another judge? I'm going to share this with you. As we read the scriptures here, there was no man or woman that was loyal to the Lord. It tells us here that everyone did evil in the sight of the Lord. See, remember, he raised up Deborah. He raised up all of the other judges, Gideon. He raised up all, every single one of them, Ehud. He raised all of these judges to lead, and they accepted the calling that God had upon their lives. See, I want you to understand one thing, that no one is a robot. You and I have the free will to do as God has called us to do. In other words, when God chooses a judge, he doesn't make that judge follow him. The judge will do it freely. That's the free will that we have. You and I have a free will to either follow the Lord or not to follow him. What are we going to do? Look at what 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9 says. It says this about the Lord, and the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And look at what he looks for as it tells us here in 2 Corinthians 16, verse 9. It says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. In this you have done foolishly. Therefore, from now on you, have, you shall have wars. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. To show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. There was not a man whose heart was loyal to the Lord at this time. They all went after the idols of the land. They served the Baals. They served the Ashtoreths. They served the gods of Syria. They served the gods of Sidon. They served the gods of Moab. They served the gods of Ammon. They served the gods of the Philistines. They served all of these false gods when they knew the true God. They experienced the true God. 
And yet they followed these false gods. They abandoned the Lord and went after the gods of the land. And because of this, verse 8 will tell us here, it says here that the Lord allowed the enemies to oppress them and to harass them for 18 years. As soon as Jair died, everyone was, you know what, we're going after the flesh. You know, we're satisfying ourselves. We like the way they worship their gods. You know the way they worship their gods, right? There was orgies going on all over the place. There was drugs going on all over the place. That's the way they worship their gods. The same way it's done today, right? And this is what they did. They liked that. They wanted that. And so they began to serve these gods. See, as we see this, right, God says, you know what? I also allowed the enemy now to go into the tribes of Benjamin and Ephraim, which were on the west side of the Jordan. So the Ammonites and the enemies began to go now to conquer Israel, as well as the, both the east and the west tribes in Israel. See, what gets me, though, and this is what I think about, how long did it take them before they began to cry out to the Lord? It took them 18 years before they cried out to the Lord. 18 years. That's a long time. But see, we're no different, right? How long did it take me before I cried out to the Lord? I was in my 30s. It took me 30-something years before I cried out to the Lord. See, how long does it take us? How deep in the pit do we have to be before we begin to cry out to the Lord? How many of us got so low before we cried out to the Lord? Before we looked up to the Lord, right? The drugs, the alcohol, the addictions, whatever they were, sin, sex, whatever it is. How long did it take us? We knew that these things were messing us up, right? They were killing us. They were destroying us. Just like the Israelites. But see, this is where we see the grace of God. See, you see the grace of God being exercised here, right? Because the Lord didn't say, okay, too bad. He did say that in the beginning, right? He said, too bad, go after those gods. But he did that for a reason. See, when we cried out to the Lord, and I don't know how long it took you, but I came to the Lord later on in my life. God was still gracious. He still accepted me. He said, he said, you know what? Yes, I'll still take you. See, the Israelites, it tells us here in verse 10 that they cried out to the Lord. They acknowledged their sin of serving other gods, of abandoning the Lord. And immediately the Lord begins to reveal their sin to them, right? They knew their sin, but the God wants to remind them of their sin, right? And he tells them, you know what? I want you to pay close attention to me. Wasn't it my, me that delivered you from these seven nations, the nations of the Egyptians, the Amorites, the Ammonites, the Philistines, the Sidonians, the Amalekites, and the Moanites, Maonites? See, these guys oppressed you, right? 
These guys distressed you. And you know what I want you to do? I want you to now cry out to those gods and see if they can help you. See, this happens many times to us, right? See, we come to God, right, and he delivers us. He delivers us of, you know what, of the pit, right? And he pulls us out and he sustains you. And then you go back to the way you were living before. We go back to what we used to do before. And we know that those things that we were doing before, none of it helped us, did it? It only destroyed us. But yet we see ourselves going back and back to these things. But yet it was the Lord that transformed us, right? He's the one that saved us. But we find ourselves going back to these things that enslaved us. And yet the Lord set us free. See, the Lord wanted to reveal something to them, to instating this, right? He wanted, because see, they just cried out, right? As they cried out, they were words. He wanted to see action. But before he saw action, he reminded them of one thing. And he said, remember this. Those gods that you're going after, I destroyed every single one of them. When I allowed you to conquer them, I destroyed them. If their gods were true gods, right, I could not have, we could not have had victory. Because if that was a true God, this God could not conquer that God. But their God was not strong enough because they're false gods. They're no gods. They were no competition for our God because our God is the true and the living God. Our God is the only God. And because of this, right, they had victory. And God was saying, you know what, those gods, remember, we conquered them. I delivered you from them. So why do you go back to those false gods? I'm the one that conquered. I'm the one that delivered. What the people did, and it's here in verse 16. In verse 16, it tells us that after they spoke to the Lord, they said, you know what, in verse 15, they just told the Lord, after the Lord told them that, they just told the Lord, we have sinned. But see, they began to put it into action. So they put away the foreign gods from among them and served the Lord. See, this was true repentance. See, because there's many people that will say, I'm sorry, Lord, for sinning, right? How many people say that? I'm sorry, Lord, for sinning. And what do they do immediately? They leave this place and they go back and do the same thing they were doing. But these people put it into action. They immediately began to destroy the gods that they were serving. See, this is true repentance. And whenever there is true repentance... God is gracious, no matter how deep your sin is. Because true repentance is what? It's acknowledging your sin, it's confessing your sin, and it's walking away from your sin. The Israelites acknowledged their sin, they confessed it, and they walked away from it. And God was gracious, as it says there, 
that his soul could no longer endure the misery of Israel. See, when we have a repented heart, God will never forsake or abandon us. And God will come into your life and he will make beauty out of ashes. God will restore what the locusts and the cankerworm have destroyed. He transforms us and makes us brand new. See, when we look at the world around us, I want to bring it back to the leadership. When we look at the world around us, we look at our families, at our workplaces. There are so many people that are oppressed by the enemy, okay? It's a known fact. Look at your family. Look at your workplaces. See, there is a people that are afflicted and harassed by the enemy. And I guarantee you this, just like me, even though on the outside I wasn't crying out to the Lord and saying, yes, Lord, I need you, on the inside I was falling apart. And yet there were people that were used by God, people that took a stand for God and led me to the Lord. See, this is what God wants for us. Remember Isaiah when he saw the throne room of God? What did he say? He said, send me, right? He says, I'm available for you. Send me. See, I want you to understand that many of us are always thinking, well, you know what? I don't know enough. I'm not schooled enough. You know what? I'm not experienced enough. I'm going to share this with you. God doesn't look at your qualifications. All he's looking for is a heart that is willing to be used. A heart that has said, you know what? I am just like Isaiah, Isaiah saying, use me. And God will immediately raise you up as a leader. See, the Lord qualifies. I, I want you to understand this. He qualifies the unqualified. And every single one of us, believe me, are unqualified. But yet, he qualifies you. I'm going to give you five points on leadership. Okay? I'm going to give you five points on leadership. And it's to give us a better understanding of leadership. Okay? And I give you these because I want you to have, to walk away with today being encouraged and exhorted to take a stand for God, to be a leader for God. And this is what God wants for us. Just like the people of Israel were crying out, who can lead us? They gathered together, who can lead us? For those 18 years, no man or woman stood up and said, I am loyal to the Lord. Lord, show yourself strong through me. And this is what God wants to do. God shows himself strong through the hearts that are loyal to him. He does miracles through our lives. If your heart becomes loyal to the Lord, you are unstoppable in the power of the Lord. Believe me, you are unstoppable. And this is what God is asking for us today in this time. Just like Esther, Queen Esther, that was called for such a time as this. You are called for such a time as this. 
God has brought you in this time, in this world, to be a leader for God. To be a leader for God in your families, in your households, in your workplaces. Believe me, people will follow. There are harassments and oppressions we get because those are stirred up by the enemy, right? But at the end of the day, who do they come to for help? Who do they come to for guidance? Who do they come to for, le- for the leading? It's you. I want you to know this. When it comes to the five points of leadership, I want us to talk about who is qualified. Okay? And this is to give us a better understanding. First point is who is qualified? I'm going to answer this, and it's very simple. All of you. Okay? See, when the Lord said, I will show myself strong through anyone's heart that are loyal to me. If your heart is loyal to the Lord, you are qualified. Okay? See, if your heart is not loyal to the Lord, how is it that he's going to raise up his leader. See, there's many people that want to be leaders, right? But their hearts aren't loyal to the Lord. And yet, they may be raised up for a time, but the Lord is going to take them down because they're not his leaders. But if your heart is loyal to God, understand this. You have been qualified into the leadership for God. See, God says that I will show myself strong. God is going to flex his muscles through you. He's going to flex his strength through you. This is what he does. He tells us, I'm going to show myself strong. And this is for us today. I want you to know that the word of God is alive. And if the word of God was spoken to us now, this means that the word of God, that God himself is speaking to us now. And he's saying, I'm looking for hearts that are loyal. To show myself strong. Are you gonna make are you gonna make a decision today to be loyal to him? See, but this loyalty it calls for, for a commitment, doesn't it? Loyalty always calls for a commitment, right? Who are you gonna put your allegiance in? Is it gonna be for the Lord or is it gonna be for other things? Point number two that I want to talk about is what are the qualifications, okay? What are the qualifications for leadership? I'm going to summarize them simply. And this is what we've, you know, we've gone over this in the shepherd's training for the men. Because when we look at the word of God, it gives it quite simply. And it says it here in the New Testament, it says that, When they were looking for the leaders, I want you to know this. They looked at character and behavior, okay? Because when they looked at character and behavior, it displayed who you were serving. It displayed your loyalty to God. Look at what it says in Acts chapter 6, verse 3. It says, Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, who we may appoint over this business. We're going to call leaders, okay? 
I want you to choose leaders. And these leaders that you choose are based on these three qualifications. One is they must have a good reputation. Two, they must be full of the Holy Spirit. They must be filled with the Holy Spirit. And three, they must be wise. They must have wisdom, the wisdom of God to lead our people. As we see here, let's look at the first point real quick. The first point is the fact that leaders must have a good reputation. What is a good reputation? A good reputation is having a good name based on your conduct. Okay? Based on your conduct, you have a reputation. You have a good name. See, when we look at this, right, leaders were chosen because they had good conduct in the ways of the Lord, not in the ways of the world, but in the ways of the Lord. Their character was good. When you look at, and I know we're not talking, I'm not talking about pastors here, I'm talking about leaders, okay, and I'm going to share this with you, but when you look at the qualifications for a pastor, the qualifications for a pastor had everything to do with your character. Except for one thing. One thing was what distinguished a pastor from a deacon or a leader in the church, and that was able to teach. That was the only difference. They all had the same qualifications, good character, good reputation. See, conduct is key to be a leader for God. This means that you're loyal to God. This means that you're committed to him and to do his ways. And if you're doing this, then he's going to raise you up as a leader. If you're not, then guess what? How can you be a leader for God? If you're not even doing as he says, he's not going to raise you up. The second thing that they had to do is they needed to yield to the Holy Spirit. They needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. What does this mean? See, the victory in the battle of their hearts was a yielding to the Spirit, allowing the Spirit to have reign in them. Believe me, every single leader has the same challenges of every other man or woman. You're faced with temptation, and your body yearns to be satisfied. It has these lusts, these appetites, right, that it wants to be fulfilled. It wants to be satisfied. But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to yield to the Spirit. And you're going to yield to what He says. See, being filled with the Holy Spirit means that the Holy Spirit is going to overflow from you. The, the, the things that are going to be done by you are really the things done by God, right? But you're yielding to the Spirit of God so that He can do these things through you. And you're a testimony and a witness for God. And people are saying, man, look at this man. Look at who he was. Look at this woman. Look at what she was. And look at them now. Overflowing with the Spirit of God, right? People sensing an anointing about you, right? An anointing from God. 
looking at your behavior, looking at your actions as you yield to the Spirit of God. And the third point that they looked at is were they filled with the wisdom of God? Wisdom. Okay, what is wisdom? Wisdom, part of wisdom is judging correctly, right? But the other part of wisdom is making godly decisions on situations, on information, on things. Okay? When you're presented with a challenge, what are you going to do? See, you know that you're in this situation, so what are you going to do with it? Are you going to exercise the wisdom of God to follow what the Word of God says? Or are you going to do it on your own to follow what the world says? See, wisdom must know the fear of God. And wisdom must also know the Word of God. And both of these things are going to work together so that you can walk in them. See, I want to read this to you. I want you to hear this, and I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, In chapter 2, verse 4. In chapter 2, verse 4, I want you to understand that we follow the wisdom of God and not the wisdom of men. It says here, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages of our glory. I want to stop here. See, there's such a thing called as wisdom of man, wisdom of this world, and we don't follow this wisdom. The wisdom of man got us all in trouble, didn't it? But the wisdom of God revealed to us after we knew, after the situations we've been placed in, what to do, right? See, you and I make appropriate godly decisions based on the wisdom of God. When we know whatever situation you're placed in, whatever has been told to you, the things that you're facing, whatever you know, what are you going to do with that? Are you going to make decisions based on the wisdom of God or on the wisdom of man? See, these, leader, these qualifications are the same qualifications for us. Do you have a good reputation to be a leader for God? Are you filled with the Spirit, yielding to the Spirit, allowing the Spirit to fill you and to overflow from you? Are you exercising the wisdom of God? The third point I want to talk about is can we disqualify ourselves as leaders? Okay? Because, see, many of us, we know that we have a high calling, right? And many of us say, you know what? I'm going to answer that high calling. 
But then things begin to change in your heart and in your walk. And I want to read to you from Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. It's an exhortation for us as well as how he lived, okay? It says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run? But one receives a prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. What we have here is the fact that he disciplines his body and brings it into subjection so that his body, his words, his, I mean, his actions can reflect what he says. He doesn't want to disqualify himself in any way. He doesn't want to be a hypocrite, which creates a disqualification. And look at what the writer of Hebrews says in chapter, in, in chapter 12, verse 1. He says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. There is a race of endurance. You and I are enduring this race. We run for the prize. We run to cross that line. Right now, we're in the final sprint of our race before the Lord comes back. Are we going to uh, lay aside every weight that brings us down, that takes us away from the race, that disqualifies us from this race? Are we going to put away the sin that says, guess what? You've disqualified. You're not playing by the rules. Are we going to do this? This is what God is asking us to do. We can disqualify our, ourselves. And I want to give you here an illustration of two leaders that were chosen by God. One leader was King Saul and one leader was King David. Okay? Two leaders chosen by God to lead his people. And, two, and both of them made two different decisions. They both were called by God just like us. You and I are called by God to lead. And if we're called by God to lead, are we going to do it? Are we going to follow his ways? Are we going to lay aside every weight and every sin? Are we going to disqualify ourselves? I want to share this with you. King Saul allowed his pride, his rebellion against God's command, his jealousies, his envies, his flesh to disqualify him. While King David, King David says, you know what? I love the Lord. I'm a heart. I have a heart after God's. I, I, I'm a man that is, that is after God's heart. That's what I am. And I want to please him. My heart is loyal to God. Yes, I may mess up. Yes, I may, you know what, just slip up. I may trip and fall in sin. But immediately when I realize that I've sinned, I'm going to repent. And this is what King David did, right? Remember with Bathsheba. What did he do? 
He immediately, as he found out, as he realized, you know what? I am a sinner, and he repented of it. While King Saul, do you know when King Saul sinned? Remember when God told him, I want you to kill all of the Amalekites. I want you to kill every single one of them. And what did King Saul do? King Saul spared the king, King Agog. And he spared the choice livestock. And when he was called on it, just like when David was called for his sin, when King Saul was called on the carpet regarding his sin, you know what he said? The people wanted these cattle. The people wanted the livestock. I was saving these choice things to sacrifice to God. And you know what God said immediately to him? What does he desire? Obedience. Not sacrifice. Coming back to the same thing. If we want to be leaders of God. Obedience. Obedience for the Lord. I'm going to talk to you about how to lead. This is point number four. I'm going to talk about how to lead, point number four. Okay? And I'm going to sum this up in two scriptures. The first one is from Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. As leaders, we never lead with our flesh. The flesh only brings destruction. The flesh only messes things up. You and I are also never to be led by other men. We are led by the Spirit of God, by the Word of God. This is what we do. Okay? It is important for us to understand one thing, that His Spirit contains all the wisdom that we need, contains all the knowledge that we need, contains all the power that we need. The Spirit of God is who we are to give the reins of our life to lead. The second scripture I want to give you is from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11. And it says here, If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the, and the dominion forever and ever. See, God supplies everything you need. When it comes to serving, when it comes to whatever you do, if God has called you to be a leader, he's going to lead through you. It's important for us to realize that we need to get out of the way. See, whatever, however, whoever you are, if you're not allowing God to take control and to lead through you, then you're going to make a mess out of things. 
God tells us unless he builds it, it's built in vain. It's important for us to know this. And I'm going to leave you with this final point. Are we up for the challenge to be leaders of God? I'm going to share this with you. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 tells us, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Understand this, your families are looking for leaders. People at your jobs are looking for leaders. People at the church are looking for leaders. The youth are looking for leaders. Are we like Isaiah saying, send us? See, people are looking for godly leaders. I'm going to share this with you as we go back to Judges in chapter 10, the last verse there. The Israelites were saying, the people of God were saying, who's going to rise up and lead us? Who's going to rise up? I want to share this with you. God wants every single one of you to rise up. He wants every single one of you to lead ministries. He wants every single one of you, or I should say some of you, to plant churches. He wants many of you to lead families to him. He wants many of you to lead co-workers to him. He wants many of you to lead others to him, to have a passion for him, to have a zeal for him. Do you know when David had his men, King David? Do you remember the men that followed David? You know why they had a zeal and a passion for the Lord? Because David had a passion. Because David had a zeal. I want to share this with you. When people see a zeal and a passion in you, you are contagious. It overflows from you. See, if we hang out with people that are on fire for God, then that fire lands on us, doesn't it? And we gain this fire. See, this is what God wants. This is what God wants in this ministry. Many of you, he's calling. You have ideas that he puts in your mind, in your heart. You have desires that he has placed there. He wants you to get up and do it. Don't worry about it, how it's going to happen. God's going to do it. See, these things that God is calling us to do here in this church, it's a decision that you have to make. You could be like King Saul, right, chosen by God, disqualifying yourself, or you can be like King David, chosen by God, and allowing God to show himself strong through you. Every single one of us, we must make this decision. Are we going to follow God?
Are we going to answer this high calling? Are we going to be loyal to God? Are you going to do it? And with this, we're going to close. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you, Lord, for reminding us on leadership, on how you qualify us. Lord, every single man and woman, every single man and woman of the Bible that you use greatly, Lord, that were leaders, they made their personal choice, their personal commitment to be a leader, to follow you. They didn't have to. They could have been like King Saul or like Paul reminded us, both in 1 Corinthians and in Hebrews. But their commitment was an unwavering commitment, one of faithfulness. You want to work powerfully through each and every person here. You want to raise up leaders in these last days. People are crying out for leaders in these last days. Are we going to rise up to this occasion? I'm going to allow everyone here. I'm going to allow every single one of you. If you have a sense, a stern within your heart, to be a leader, and maybe there's sin in your life, maybe there's weights that are holding you down from running the race, finishing strong. And you want to confess these. And all you want to do is just say, Lord, I'm sorry. I want to rise up to this occasion. I want to commit my life to you. I want to show myself loyal to you. I want you to show yourself strong through me. For those that want to make this commitment, I'm going to ask you now to stand up and we're going to pray for you. Stand up and we will pray for you. Anybody wanting to do this? Anybody wanting to do this? Stand up and we will pray for you. Anybody wanting to answer this high calling that God has? God has for you. Anybody before we close? Anybody? Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you that your word went out. I pray, Lord, that each and every one of us, Lord, would purpose within our hearts 
to be leaders for you, to lay aside any weight, to put away any sin. and to commit our lives to you, to be loyal to you, and not to anyone else, not to have other idols, but only you. Lord, I thank you for your reminder and your call to this high calling. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would everyone stand, please?